Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today we have such an encouraging message from Pastor CJ called The Grateful Life. Did you know that if gratitude came in a pill form, it would be deemed the miracle cure? Having a heart of gratitude changes everything. We hope you enjoy this message. I have been praying and crying over these last two weeks like crazy. And, uh, and I thought, God, why am I crying and why am I in tears so much? And here's what it is. And God totally changed, Jan, my message. And here's what it is. The reason why I've been in the closet of tears for the last two weeks is because of you. I uh, want you to know that this pastor and his wife are so grateful for you. I, I really, really sincerely mean that. I went to my staff last couple weeks ago when all this crying started, and I even told my staff uh, that, uh, man, I, I have been crying. And uh, guys, I, I just want to give you a shout-out that I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for who you are. So in doing so, I said, God, what do you want me to speak on? And I journal everything that I do. People always say, Pastor, where do you get your thoughts at? Uh, what happens is I keep a journal by me every time when I'm in prayer. When I pray, I have a journal with me. This particular journal is from 2017. And I thought to myself, I'm going to thumb through some of my journaling of what I write. And so I pulled out this journal, and I have another one from 2017. I write journal after journal after journal, and I pulled out my old journal from 2017. And I came across this message. So I want you to know something today. The message that I'm going to speak to you about, Pat, is my intimate journaling with God. And I told this to Mindy when Mindy was typing this. I never share a lot of my intimate things from my journal like I am today. So when I write, this is how I get inspired. I pray, I write. I pray, I write. I keep it right next to me when I pray so that when God gives me a thought, I don't lose it. Because how many of you ever said, oh, I'll remember it. Now, you know, you remember it for a moment, then you forget it, right? So I journal. So how I get all my thoughts is I journal. Everything I do is I journal. So in thumbing through my journal and being in my prayer closet for two weeks crying, I said, God, what do you want me to speak on? And thumbing through 2017, I came across this. Pull out your sermon notes. The th Grateful Life. I came across The Grateful Life. And this is born, I want you to know, born, Becky, out of my prayer time. So when I wrote this, I can honestly tell you, this was me and God inspiring. And I kind of feel like sometimes, you know, when the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and what happens is God inspires men and women to write, right? And sometimes what happens to me, this is what I feel like, God inspires me to write. And so this came out of my inspiration of prayer. And so here it is. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It may seem kind of a little choppy today because this is how my, my writing came and how it comes to me. And so I just want to talk to you about Paul. Paul, as we many of you know, was a prisoner. 
Paul was flogged. Paul was beaten. He went without sleep many days. He went without food and so on. But Paul had a statement. And so many times we could be a Paul and we could complain and we could be upset or we can be angry or we can be mad about our circumstances in life. I've always been told that if you've been served lemons, then make lemonade out of it, right? So if you've been maybe gotten lemons right now, or if you got a bad hand, discard the bad cards in your life. And I've always heard those type of things. And Paul, in Philippians, he's sharing to the church of Philippi about rejoicing. And he says these things in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. How many of you know we get anxious, we get worried, we get upset, we get maybe bothered, we get uh, depressed or discouraged, we get anxious about many things that maybe are transpiring in our lives. Maybe even right now you're here at this place in your, your life right now that you're anxious about maybe your job. My wife just mentioned to you about your job. Maybe you got some family issues going on. Maybe you have some financial issues going on. What are you anxious about right now? And Paul is reminding the church of Philippi that we're always going to have issues in our life. How many of you know that the enemy never sleeps? And if the enemy never sleeps, guess what? You're never going to stop having. You're never going to stop having issues, situations, or problems in your life. Because the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. So he's always going to come against you with another attack, or another attack, or another attack, or this or that. It's always going to be something. So what Paul is saying to the church of Philippi, he said, be anxious about nothing. Because when you start to worry and when you start to fret and get depressed or discouraged, what happens is what you focus on is what you're going to become. And so what Paul is saying, don't be so anxious. Don't be so depressed. Don't be so caught up in this. Because what happens is you will become what you think. What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. And so if you're consumed with all this anxiety and all this stress and all this pressure of life, what's going to happen, it'll eventually eat you up. So Paul says this, but in every situation, not in some, Jan, not in when the being selective Christians, because that's what we do sometimes. We are selective Christians. And John, what we like to do is we like to give God the things that, man, we can let go of, things that we don't have to control of, but we like to give God those things but we hold back some. And God says, no, I want to be involved in every situation. Then he goes on to say, by prayer, you see, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. you what he means by that, how do you cast your cares upon the Lord? By praying, by casting, by talking, by transferring your trust into his hands. That's what prayer is. In petition, now look at what he says. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So in other words, what Paul is saying, he's saying with thanksgiving. Now think about this for a moment. What he is saying is, how can you be thankful in the midst of your storm? Man, God, I'm going through this, but Lord, you're telling me to be thankful? God, how can I be thankful? Lord, I'm in pain. You're telling me to be thankful? But then he goes on to say, here's the key. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying, if you will learn to be thankful and praise God in the midst of your storm, what will happen is the peace of God will begin to transcend in you, and you'll begin to realize that how big your God is and that your God is bigger than your problems. Your God is bigger than your situation. And because your God is bigger than your problems and your situation, what that's going to do when you begin to focus on him the author and the perfecter of your faith, God will become bigger and your problems become smaller and all of a sudden what's going to happen, you're going to become confident knowing that if God is for you, then who can be against you? Somebody say amen. Amen. Right? So listen, if you have your notes, look, I love this. Gratitude is a mindful awareness. Gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. Wow, think about that. That gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. Sometimes what happens is we can have 99 good things happen to us in our lives, but we're always focused on that one bad thing. And what happens is gratitude is a mindful uh, uh, awareness that, God, you've done this, you've done that, you've done this. And the reason why I've been in the closet of tears over these last couple weeks is because I have the gratitude mindset. Man, thank God for these people. Thank God for this church. Thank God for my wife. Thank God for my kids. Thank God that I have a house, a roof over my head. And what began to happen is I began to go back in the resources of my mind. Even when I may be going through the tired stage, which I was, man, I've had to get up every day at six o'clock plus my prayer time and all what I was doing. I come out here, man, this last yesterday, man, I was exhausted, man. But you know what? I had to go back in the resources of my mind, Jeff, and say, thank God for this church. Thank God that we're raising money for the bus. I had to start counting my blessings, You see, when you focus on the negative or the bad, what happens is it will bring you down. But he said your gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. I love this. Gratitude is one of the greatest virtues. How many of you know that's true? It's one of the greatest virtues. When you learn to be thankful, that is one of the greatest virtues. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, I love what he says here. He says, rejoice always. Where else does it say rejoice? Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why does he say rejoice? You know why? It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So what Paul is saying, rejoice, smile. Have you ever had somebody laugh into your face? And what do you want to do? You want to give them the right hand of fellowship. Why? Because they're laughing in your face. They're giving you disrespect. They're showing you disrespect. They're not honoring you. So you want to laugh, man. You laugh at me, I'm going to laugh at you, right? Bam, take that. Boom, take that. Weebles wobble, but they won't fall. Right? Right? But he says to rejoice because why? When you learn to rejoice, God, I don't understand it. God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. God, I don't understand why I'm going through this pain. God, I don't understand why this is happening in my job. But, Lord, I'm learning to stand. And the way I'm going to stand is to rejoice. If you want to get the enemy mad or discouraged, start laughing in his face. I'm going to choose to rejoice. That's why David said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will, I shall make a choice to rejoice. That God, I make that choice regardless of what comes my way. God, I'm going to rejoice in it. But look what he says. Pray continuously. Why does he say pray continuously? Because prayer is learning to transfer your cares and your trust upon the Lord. That when you pray, God begins to get activated. 
God is activated by the person who prays. He hears the prayers or the cries of the righteous. And when you pray, it activates God to move on your behalf. So he says, listen, pray continuously. What happens, what the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to stop praying and wants you to get discouraged because when you stop praying, your hands who are lifted up when you pray are down. And when your hands are down, you know what happens. You lose the battle. But when you begin to pray and learn to be constant in your prayer time, God will lift up your hands. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. But then look what he says. I love this. Give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. The good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. In all circumstances, I give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That God, I'm going to learn to give thanks. And the reason why I was in Rose in the closet of prayer these last couple weeks, I still think it's going to carry on because, man, we got this ranch thing coming up. And, man, watching you guys work like many hands make light work, and it's just great to see that. I'm really, Helen, it's amazing how you should have saw these people come together this last week. Amazing. But then it says, listen, in all circumstances, I'm going to give you thanks. When you learn to give thanks, listen what happened. People who keep a gratitude journal, get that, a gratitude journal, are more likely to have a positive outlook on life. What's a gratitude journal? It's a gratitude journal taking a mindset, having a mental awareness of the good things that God is doing in your life. Why do I journal? Why do I do what I do? Oh, I, man, I have numerous books like this from years that I've been journaling for years. Why do I do that? Because it brings me back to the place where I had an encounter with God. It reminds me of his goodness. And what Gratitude Journal does, it keeps, a, it keeps a checkpoint in your mind that, man, hey, my God is an awesome God. He did it last year. He can do it again. Why do you think the Bible says in, the, in Corinthians where it says these things have happened so that your ancestors or your, your, your forefathers, that these happened to them so that you can learn from their examples? They were reminders of the goodness of God. And you have to have a gratitude journal. See, so many times we are so quick. And hear me now. Hear me as a pastor. I, I, I really want you to hear this. I was telling this to Pastor Andrew a few weeks ago, and it's really jumped in my spirit. So many times what happens, we are fixed on the blessing so much, and when the blessing happens, that becomes our adrenaline rush. And we never take time to celebrate the praise and that blessing. We're going on to the next fix. And sometimes, please hear me as a pastor, sometimes we Christians are fixed on the drilling rushes of the blessings. And we never stay in the celebrating of the blessing. We're looking for the next fix. We're always looking for the next fix. So what happens is if we don't get the next fix or the next blessing or the next handout or the next thing that God can do for us, we think God's given up on us. But no, listen, God wants you to take time to celebrate in that victory. And so many times we're looking for the next fix and we're not taking time to celebrate the wins that God is doing in our lives. And when you celebrate the wins and those things that God is doing in your life, guess what it does? It elevates you. It builds you up. It excites you. It brings you into a place with God that, God, you are a faithful God. You are a great God. You never leave me nor forsake me. You never give up on me, God. You are faithful. And it reminds you 
So let me tell you something. Give thanks. Don't move on to the next fix or the next blessing. Celebrate in that blessing. Take time to rejoice and not only celebrate in that blessing, but Adam, tell others about that blessing. Tell others that, man, God did it for me. He can do it for you. You know, uh, I won't say who because they're coming here next week, but there's an individual that, that, that I've been working on for a long time. And I, I, I've been sharing with this individual for a long, long time. And every time I talk to this individual, they're down. They're just, but every time I'm around them, I try to be a positive to them. And so I had an encounter with them this week, and they promised me they'll be here next week. So don't you get your eyes out there because you know, they'll be here. But there'll be a lot of people here next week. But you know what? That individual said to me, Pastor CJ, he said, I have learning from you. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm learning that you are right. If I take time to celebrate my wins, they overcome my defeats. And you know what? Seeing this guy this last week, his whole countenance has changed because he learned to celebrate. Listen to this. Gratitude individuals demonstrate less envy. You know why? Because they're grateful for what they have now. They're not looking under the Joneses. Less materialism. They're content where they're at right now. Less self-centeredness, me, 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 that monster of feeding me. They're already thankful for where they're at. Listen, I've always learned this to be true. God will never bless you with more. Listen, you got to get this. Tom, God will never bless you with more if you can't be happy with what you have now. Period. You will never be happy because you're feeding that void of materialism or envy or whatever it is. And if you can't rejoice and be thankful for where you're at, don't expect God to give you more. Because you, you know it, this as a natural person, if you give something to somebody or your kid or your grandkid or whatever, and they appreci don't appreciate it, what's that going to make you feel like? Well, I ain't going to do that again for them. Forget you, forgot you, the boogeyman shot you. Give me a piece of paper, I'll write all about you. Right? You ain't going to want to do something for them, Right? Because why? You're not, they're not showing gratitude. I spent good money. I mean, I went out and got a special gift for them, and they're showing that, un, that they're not grateful for it. Why do I want to do anything else? That's the same way with God. And yet you expect God to bless you when you can't appreciate what God does, even in the little things. The little things that you need to praise God, because the little things are like the lily pads that lead you to the bigger things. And if you can't praise God in the little things, how are you going to praise him with the big things? Right? What is this? Gratitude, this is so cool. Gratitude improves your self-esteem and enhances relationships. Quality of sleep, why? Because you're not worried about what you don't have. You're, you're thankful for what you do have. So you can sleep at night and longevity. Isn't that great? That's true. That's so true. Listen to this. If gratitude came in a pill form, it would be deemed the miracle cure. Isn't that right? And I know it's not Thanksgiving, but you know what? Every day should be a day of gratitude. That, man, I'm not just going to celebrate you, God, on Thanksgiving and count my blessings on Thanksgiving, but every day I'm thankful. I'm telling you this, no kidding. 
I, I can honestly tell you, I was exhausted yesterday. So was Harlan and so was all of us guys. Thank you so much for all your work, Jane and, and Edie and just the rest of you. I don't want to leave anybody out. You know who you are. But you know what? I was so thankful. This is no kidding. No, I promise you. I was so thankful that I could wake up this morning and walk. I'm not exaggerating. I was stiff, man. I was tired. You know what I did? I told, I told Harlan and everybody, hey, I'm leaving, and I'm going to my cabin, and I'm shutting my phone off, and I'm vegetating. I was talking to Arlu, and Arlu's, Arlu even scolded me. Shut your phone off. I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I thought she was part God. Amen. And you know what I did? I laid in front of the TV, and I watched my Yankees win. I know you're Twins and Brewer fans. I'm a Yankee fan. But you know what? How many remember this song? It is so true. This song was introduced to me when I first started going to church. When I first started going to church, how many remember these days when it was your birthday in church? And they would have you come up on the platform, and they would give you little toys for your birthday. Do you remember? But I remember this song when I first got saved. And I was now, I was a teenager but how many of you remember this song? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. The drum would always crescendo, and then we had Sister Tambourine. You know, man, we had a whole... But you know what? How, how true that song is, right? Count your blessings. You know, when you start looking at your blessings in life, guess what? You find out you have more blessings than you have problems. But so many times we let ourselves focus on maybe things that are really not really there. As you look at the blessings, take note of what happens. Anxiety grabs his bag and slips out the back door. How many know that's true? Wow, I feel good. I feel refreshed. I feel renewed. The helium in my balloon, in my temple, is rising up in me, and I feel like I'm being lifted up. Why? Because I'm thanking God. I'm thanking you, Lord. I'm thanking you for all we've done. Thank you. Thank you. When is the last time, seriously, you have taken time to say thank you? We are so busy moving on to the next thing instead of taking a praise break and saying, God, I thank you. My wife, when we were going uh, down the road the other day, she got on uh, Google, and she Googled for me Keith Green. How many remember Keith Green? And um, I don't know if she ordered it. I think she did. She thinks she surprised me, but I think I saw it in a checkbook. <laughs> but I think she ordered me the, the CD of Keith Green. And you know what? There was a song in there that she played for me while we were going down the road on her phone. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown. For my reward is giving glory to you. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. 
your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. That's you. That's you. His grace, his favor, his blessings abounds to you. Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. How many know that's true? One heartfelt thank you will suck the oxygen out of the worries world. Focus on what we do have and less on what you don't have. I love what Paul says again in Philippians. I love reading the book of Philippians. My favorite book is James. My second favorite book probably would be Philippians. But Philippians 4 verse 11 is this. Now watch this. Look at what Paul says. You want to know a secret? I am not saying this because I am need. And what are you saying? He says, even though I don't have anything, you know that in this book in Philippians 4, 19, when Paul said, my God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that statement's for? That Paul is making that statement that that is Philippians, the church of Philippi, was a church, the first church that blessed him as a missionary, and that's why he was able to go out and do the work of the Lord. But look at what he says. I'm not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be content to be content, to be satisfied, to bloom where I'm planted, to rejoice where I'm at, to be thankful for what I have. Do you get that? That's what content means, to be content, to be thankful, to bloom where I'm at, to be satisfied, to be grateful, to be thankful. Whatever circumstance I'm in. You know one of the things when growing up in Chicago, if you don't like the weather, don't worry, it changes tomorrow. You know what? Look at it your way, the same way with your circumstances. They're going to change. Have you ever said this before? I'm doomed. I'm never going to make it. Ever said that? Guess what? You're here today. You thought you were going under, but you became overcomers. Watch this. I know what it is to be in need. Look at what Paul's saying. You got to get this. And I know what it is to have plenty. So in other words, he had plenty, he had need. Have you ever felt like that before, right? I have learned, now get this, I have learned the secret of being content, satisfied, grateful, thankful for where I'm at. You can never receive more if you're not thankful for what you have now. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now here, watch this. The secret, of, the secret by definition, the secret. What is Paul saying when he says secret? The secret by definition is a bit of knowledge that is not commonly known. That what happens is, Jan, that God gives you a secret that is not commonly known. And you know what sometimes that secret is? It's maybe just for you. And you know what that secret could be, Bob? That God just gives you the secret. That Bob, it's going to be okay. Bob, I have it all in control. Let me tell you a secret. I never lift you, nor forsake you, nor will I kneel now. That's a secret. 
Huh? That's a secret. I can't hear you. I'm a bad ear. Secrets out. Amen. Do you want to know a secret? <laughs> the secret is being content with where you are and now so that God can bring you up later. You get that? Look at contention. Look at that. You got to get this next one. Contingent contentment. Contingent contentment turns us into wounded and worried people. Do you get that? Contingent contentment turns us into wounded and worried people. Whenever you are contending your contentment on blessings or this or that happening, guess what's going to happen? It may let you down. If you are always weighing your contentment on things you have and don't have, guess what's going to happen? You're always going to be wounded, hurt, and discouraged because things aren't always going to work out the way you want them to work out. And because they don't work out the way you want them to work out, what happens is you get discouraged, you get defeated. It, you get mad at God because you're weighing your contentment on what you don't have and what you do have instead of being steadfast and founded and grounded in God. Somebody say amen. Now, come on. That's true. Don't base that. Listen to what Paul, Paul had. Look at what Paul had. He says, I learned the secret of being content. Paul had a jail cell instead of a house. Think of that. And if you know anything about the jail cells, they were not able to stand up like we are now in our jail cells. They were fastened with clasps around their feet and their hands. And you know what? They had to sit like this because they could not stand up. And I played basketball, and one of the exercises you do to stretch your calves and all these things is you have to put your back against the wall, and you do this for a certain period of time, you burn. And they were in cells that small. You couldn't stand up and have comfort zone and beds and all that kind of stuff. You were like this the entire time. He had a cell instead of a house. Paul had what? Another one? Paul had four walls instead of a mission field. In other words, he had four walls. He was confined. He didn't have the mission field to go out and preach the gospel at the time. He was confined, but he learned to be content. And how many of you know that being confined in four walls and having a vision and a passion in your heart and not being able to get out in the mission field? Man, that, man, is just discouraging because, man, I have a purpose, I have a drive, and I'm not able to do that. But Paul learned the secret that one day and someday I'm going to get to that mission field, but right now I'm going to learn to be content. And maybe in your life you have dreams and hopes and aspirations in your life, and they haven't happened yet. It doesn't mean to give up on them. It's a time to celebrate them because maybe, just maybe, the time isn't right now. And God said, you just wait and you rejoice because your time is coming. Paul didn't just stay in that cell. He eventually got out into the mission field, right? Listen to this. Paul had chains instead of jewelry. Learning to be content. Wow. He had chains instead of jewelry. Think of that, Jeff. Wow. Paul had a guard instead of a wife. He didn't have someone to pick him up when he falls. He had a guard that would, man, bring disgrace and maybe flog him or beat him, ridicule him. But Paul's focus, he had a different list. Paul had a different list. And he was content because what? Here's why he was content. 
Paul has what? I can be content. Why? Number one, because I have eternal life. <laughs> that in itself knows that maybe I don't like the suffering here on planet Earth, but soon and very soon, one day, one day he's going to come and the trump of God shall sound, and he'll come on the great white horse, and he'll come to take his bride home, and we're all going to look like Mary Poppins, and we're going to catch God. And when we get caught up with him in the air, he's going to go, and we're going to go to the place that God has prepared for us. There's no more good suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow. How else can God be content or Paul be content? He has the love of God. You know what? I've, I've learned this to be true. And I say this with all sincerity. When I went through, Joe, and you're, you're a pastor. Joe's a good friend of mine, but Joe, you're a pastor. And when I went through my two-year sabbatical in my hard time, and Joe, you know when you're not in the pulpit, man, what that is, man, it's, it's a killer. But when I went through my two years, let me tell you something, seriously. When I had to go through my restoration and all what I went through from my mistakes, let me tell you something. You know what sustained me? Do you know what sustained me? I'm going to tell you over everything. It wasn't finances, material things, or anything else that I had. You know what sustained me? When I'd walk that two-mile thing, circle every day, twice a day at my work. Do you know what sustained me? The love of God. He loves me so much that he reached down into the muck and mire. And he reached down and he placed my feet upon a rock. And he gave me a firm foundation to stand. How can Paul be content? Maybe I'm going through this struggle. Maybe, husbands, you feel unworthy of that. You're not a good provider, and you don't feel loved. But, man, but there's someone that loves you. What sustained me is that I had to remember that God loves me even though I'm in this state. You know how else Paul had? Paul had forgiveness of his sin. That in itself is a great reward. I'm forgiven. Man, man says they forgive you. How many know that man says they forgive you until they see you walking down the corridor at the mall, and when they see you coming at them, they, do, they veer off to the left? Then you find out they haven't forgiven you. But Paul learned the secret of contentment because God truly forgave him. God forgave. Pastor Andrew, that God did this part. He forgave all. He forgave it all that when Paul said, I, I've learned the secret of contentment because I can go boldly to the throne of grace without shame, guilt, or combination because God has forgiven me. And because I'm forgiven, I can go to God with confidence and assurance that he not only forgives me, but he heals me, he accepts me, he loves me, and he gives me rewards as I draw closer to him. He'll draw closer to me. Woo, I'm forgiven. Now I have a reason for living. Jesus keeps giving and giving. You don't even know that neither, right? But here's another one. I love this one. The assurance of salvation. That I know, that I know, that I know 
no matter where I am in life right now, that I have the assurance that someday I'm going to be with God. And I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, but I have seen people who love God go to heaven. He had that assurance. The assurance that, man, I know that my Redeemer lives. And because of that, Paul was content. Paul had Christ, and Christ was enough. Have you ever noticed when you read Philippians, I love this, and you study it yourself. When I read Philippians, I read Philippians, I don't know how many times, but when I read Philippians, I dissected it. And this, I think this is on your notes, but Paul's letter to the Philippians, check this out. Talk about Paul engaged with Christ, and while he can be content, look at what this book says. Within the 104 verses of Philippians, Paul mentions Jesus 40 times. In 104 verses, Paul mentions Jesus 40 times. See where his mind was? He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is what? Fixed. Art, 40 times in 104 verses, Paul is talking about Jesus. Good in, good out. What a man putteth in his heart, so he will be. What was Paul talking about? Jesus. How can Paul be content? Because he knew his Jesus. But look at this. That means Paul talked about Jesus every 2.5 verses. Can you imagine that? What's up, Jesus? How you doing, Jesus? But listen, I love this part. I love this. Paul's whole mindset was all about Christ and Christ alone. What is Philippians 121? For me to live is Christ and die is gain. That was the whole mission of Paul. For me, God, to live is Christ. That's where I find my satisfaction, Nelda. That's where I find my hope, Nelda. That's where I find my peace, Nelda. That's where I find contentment. I find it in him. And when I find it in him, then he restores. You see, what you have in Christ is greater than anything you don't have in your life. I mean, that's true. For the sake of time, I want us to say this together. It's on your notes. Got it? Replace, replace. It's on your notes. Replace, if only, with already. Come on, can you say that with me? I replace, come on, I replace my only with already. I replace my only with already. That God, I already replace your only, if only, if only, if only. I already have it. Not, don't sit there, if only. You got to replace it with already. You know what? Man, my kids, I'm telling you, I've been showing my, my Harlan, and man, I'm so great. How many are excited about your kids? You really, you love your kids? Obviously, you all love our kids. That's a great thing to love your kids. And when you see your kids being blessed, that's a reflection of you. How many know that's true, right? Amen? Well, my, my kids, man, I'm so happy for them. Like, like I said, my kids are all up in transition right now. Well, my son, he just brought a house. He just put a 
contract in. Check it out, what God just did for my son. My son just bought a house of 6,200 square feet, six bedrooms, five, four bathrooms. You should see this place. My son, man, God just blessed him. And my daughter and son-in-law, they're moving to Illinois. They brought a new house down in Illinois with a pool in the backyard. Why is that? Because listen, listen, it's not because they're favorite, because they've learned, Helen, you got to get this in your knower. God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't show favoritism. But here's the key. If you walk straight with God and you learn the secret of being content, God will begin to pour. God will begin to do more. God will begin to pour. God will begin to do more. But you got to be content and satisfied. You can't expect more if you can't appreciate what you got now. Come on. That's true. And God, man, I've seen my kids through the years, man, sacrifice, being faithful, committed. Man, you listen, God will never do give you more. You can't. It's easy to obtain. You got to get this. It's easy to obtain, but it's harder to maintain. You can obtain all the things in the world, but maintaining is the best thing. I got to maintain what I have because what I have, God's blessed me with. If I maintain it, God will honor me with what I do have. Come on, man. I'm going to pick on him today. I'm going to tenderize Bob. Amen? What about Bob? Amen? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Go ahead, Andrew. We have this hope. Get this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. An anchor secures you in the midst of your storm. An anchor holds you firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. He's right now, maybe the storms. But if you learn the secret of being content and anchor your soul to Jesus, God will pull you through. Unanchor your heart to the character of God. Your boat will rock and your moods will come and go. But anchor yourself to God. 1 Thessalonians 5 If you have not had this in your Bible, you need to underline this in your Bible. You need to remind yourself of this verse in your Bible. You need to put this in your nowhere. You need to put it on your refrigerator. This is an address that I live at all the time. I remind myself every time of this address. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Here it is. It reads these words. You got it? The one who calls you. The one who calls you. Where that you is, my name is there. Where that you is, put your name is. The one who calls you, one who calls you, Sue, is faithful. Now watch what he says. And he will do it. See what he says? The one who calls you. Put your name there. He's talking about you, Gail. He's talking about you. Rudy's talking about you, Linda. He's talking about you, Penny. Ricky's talking about you right now in your health, in your knees, in your body. He's talking about you. Don't say he's talking about someone to the right or to the left of you. It's time that you say, no, it's my turn now. God's talking about me today, Art. Why is it that you can believe for somebody else to the right and to the left of you, but you can't believe for yourself? Brett, he's talking about you. He is faithful. If you have your notes, I love this. You said, I believe. 
If you believe, put right there, right next to that, Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you shall receive whatever you ask in prayer. Listen to this. You said, I expect. I expect, put there right there, Psalms 5, verse 3. Early in the morning, I lay my request before the Lord, and I wait in expectation. That's another one. You said, go ahead. You said, I will provide. You said, I will provide. Philippians 4, 19. God, you said you will provide. Another one. You said you will guide. My sheep heareth my voice and they'll follow after me. John 10. My sheep heareth my voice. You said you will guide. You said you will make the crooked way straight. You said you ordain the steps of a righteous man and a woman. You said. So listen. God wants you to remind him of his word to you. He wants you to remind him of his word. You know why? Because he wants to know if you know his word. How many of you know your kids are going to remind you of your promise? Let me ask you something. Are you not the child of God? Is he not your Abba Father? Is he not your son or your daddy? Is he not your heavenly father? Are you not the heirs of Jesus? Come on. Is that not true, Brian? Are we not his sons and his daughters? Joint heirs with Jesus? Our spirit joint heirs with his spirit? Then why don't you ask? God wants you to remind him of his word to you. What is he saying to you? Another one. When you remind him, it shows you remember his word to him. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. Your kids don't forget. Your reminding him of his word brings life again to your promise. How many have forgot the promise? How many forgot those things? Maybe it's time that you uh, bring them out of dormant and start reminding God of the promises. Because his promises are always yes and amen. And God never gives up on his promises, but the one who gives up on his promises is you. Maybe sometimes you have to fight the fight to get the promise. And maybe sometimes you're quitting in the middle of the stream. Maybe sometimes you get so close, but you give up. God doesn't care how fast or slow you go. He just wants you to keep going. He doesn't want you to stop. He doesn't want you to quit in the middle of the stream. He wants you to keep going, putting one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. It's not quitting. I love it, Jeff. Man. I love this man with all my heart. I'll tell you, this man is a great man. If you don't know Jeff Jorgensen, you need to get to know him. I'll tell you, this man is Jeff, Val. Your perseverance is a model that people should follow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I always told him, there's two things that God does. He does miracles, Bambi, this way. He does suddenlies, which we all love the suddenlies. We like the McDonald experience. Or he does graduals. And you know what? Graduals. Guess what? Jeff is maintaining. He's being persevering. And God, Jeff hasn't got his suddenly. But Jeff is getting his graduals. And now he got his white blood cells healed. Now his red blood cells are going to come in line. Come on. And you know why that is? He's faithful. Will you stand with me today? Now you heard my intimate thoughts. I know it may have seemed choppy or whatever, but that's my prayer. That's what happens when I write. 
Now you see how I write, write from my journal. But I want to tell you something, folks. Listen, I mean this with all sincerity, and I know I'm babbling and I'm going on. That's because I love you so much, and when you love somebody so much, you don't want to let them go. I do. Good to see our good friends back, and I want to get together with you this time. All right? Listen, I'm not going to put my hand in there. All right. But guys, listen, this pastor and his wife, we love you so much. And all we want to see for you is to be blessed. I hope you understand. I mean that with all sincerity. I want to see you and your blessing going in and your blessing going out. How many remember Robert Schuler used to pray that all the time? Bless you and you're going in and you're going out. That's my prayer for you. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. Lord, may we take a journal and have a mindset of the awareness of the good things that you have done in our lives. May we not focus on all the things that maybe seem to be uh, irritating us and bringing frustration to us or discouragement to us, but may we focus on the good things that are really happening in our lives, Lord. Lord, over these last two weeks, Lord, I've been in a secret place of tears. Lord, it's just been amazing, God, that, and through that, you, you, you showed me how grateful and thankful that things are happening here at the church and with our kids and my wife and this on and on. And I pray that, God, you will do so with every individual here today, that you will change their mindset from the stinking thinking to the positive things in life, things that are really going on that, Lord, that they can walk with their head high, appreciating what they do have, and then, Father, you will bless them with more. Go with them today and bring us back next week as we all ride horses and get bow-legged and the whole works. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Come on, just give the Lord praise. God bless you today. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.